Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship. Fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. I've outrun Imperial starships. Not the local bulk cruisers, mind you. I'm talking about the big Karelian ships now. She's fast enough for you, old man. What's the cargo? Only passengers. Myself, the boy, two droids, and no questions asked. What is it, some kind of local trouble? Let's just say we'd like to avoid any imperial entanglements. Well, that's the real trick, isn't it? And it's going to cost you something extra. 10,000, all in advance. 10,000? We can almost buy our own ship for that. But who's going to fly it, kid? You? You bet I could. I'm not such a bad pilot myself. We don't have to sit here and listen. We can pay you 2,000 now, plus 15 when we reach Alderaan. 17, huh? Okay, you guys got yourselves a ship. Episode 166 for Sith. I am the Mike Pilot. With me, my co-host, Brian Young. Amy is doing cool things like volunteering at Rancho and Run this weekend, having some fun with our past wonderful co-hosts, Consetta Parker, and good friends, Anne and Steve Sansweet. And Anne, last name isn't Sansweet. I know it sounded like that. I just... Anne Newman. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Anne Newman's not <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Steve Sansweet. Exactly. It's yeah. not, not okay, Mike. No, it was, that's what I'm saying. I wasn't implying it. Anyway, so uh, filling in for Amy this week, we asked Zoe to come on, who does Star Wars Geek Girl. I was on her show a few weeks back, and um, Zoe, welcome to Full of Sith. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I just got back, just got back from a free comic book day at a comic store near me, and I was Sabine, and we had a lot of people there. So that's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, when I got a hold of your dad, he's like, I, I didn't have any pockets in my gear, so I didn't have my phone, so we just got home. So he was really, <laughs> you could tell he was really trying to get you to for this all to work out. So we're happy to have you. And, yeah. um, you know, so people have listened to your show and you were up for the podcast awards like a lot of other great shows. Can you tell uh, the, the audience, uh, the listeners of our show, uh, what you do and your show and maybe your first Star Wars memory or how you got into Star Wars? Okay, so um, my show is, I'm also on it with uh, Lucy Perales, who is the daughter of Sal Perales from uh, Now This Is Podcasting. Yeah. And um, so we just we just talk generally about Star Wars, uh, favorite characters and um, news and Rebels. Right now we're going through and watching all the Clone Wars episodes. So nice. if you're someone that likes Clone Wars. Um, so yeah, and I guess my first Star Wars memory would have to be along the lines of my first troop which I was the Jawa, and I was like five, six. Cool. And I just, I don't remember much from the event because I couldn't see much, but I remember <laughs> the carpet was very intricate, and there was a Commander Cody there. Nice. And that was it, and that's it. Let me ask you this. You're, you're in a, a position that our children are in, and I'm, and I'm interested to see what you think. You have a father who has a love for Star Wars, and, and you now love Star Wars. Do you think that your dad's love for it helped you get there, or do you think you would have gotten there on your own eventually? I don't know if I maybe would have gotten to where I am now um, eventually, but I know definitely my dad, like, that's definitely what made me get into Star Wars. Um, like, I was very, like, he always likes to tell me that there was a point in time where I had more lightsabers and months old. I just, like, huh. my dad just kind of surrounded me with Star Wars, and I had no choice but to just love it back. That's awesome. So do you, did you, like, do you remember seeing the movies for the first time or were, was it just like they've always been around and you just don't know what it would be like to watch them for the first time? I don't remember seeing them for the first time, which makes me kind of sad sometimes, but like, I just always remember them. Same thing. I just always been, have been playing like Battlefront and uh, the Lego Star Wars games. Like that's just what I grew up with. 
yeah when mike and i were younger like we were lucky if an arcade had the like line art trench run arcade man i love that game so much i've been i've been <laughs> looking for one on craigslist and ebay that isn't like five thousand dollars because i would love to have one of those in the house i don't think i'd ever do anything but that you could probably make one yeah ah, that's a lot like they sell they sell cabinets and you could probably make one that would uh play all the star wars games from lego star wars to to that i you know the thing is is that game i know there were other games that you could uh, fly around in but that game in particular is what really has me so enamored with the the squadron um game type on battlefront I, that's pretty much all i play on battlefront these days really yeah oh. I, you know because because i'm kind of being a jerk about it like i don't want to play the other game types until i have my my shadow trooper armor <laughs> and you know, oh. so I don't have like if I if Anya was playing like constantly and she could play under my account and give me some points, but we have different accounts, so she's using her account, so it's taking me forever. I think I'm on like level forty or something. You're close. I'm getting there. I think it's fifty when they're available. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. And now you can get to sixty and then you could be a weak way. And that's what you were working towards, right? Oh, I got that like I in fact I think when I mentioned it on the show, Anakin and I hit it like later that day. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So I, I'm curious then, what what was it like? That must have been kind of amazing for you to see The Force Awakens the first time because that, that was probably the first time you've seen a theatrical Star Wars movie like and acknowledging that it's the first time. Yeah, um, The Force Awakens was like we walked into the theater and we were had to we had to wait to watch it for like an hour but like they were playing star wars music they had lights everywhere and i just like started tearing up a little bit and then we get we walk into the theater and the star wars theme starts playing and there's it says like um a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and i just started sobbing because like this was like new for me i'd never seen a star wars movie like live action star wars movie in the theater before you weren't the only one with teary eyes (laughs) well it sounds like that was that was kind of how that was kind of how I felt with Phantom Menace, right? Like I remember, I remember seeing, um, the, like I I just the Star Wars the original three movies were just in my consciousness from the time I was born. Like I remember vividly seeing Return of the Jedi for the first time, but I don't remember when A New Hope and Empire like seeped into my brain. They were just there, <laughs> it seemed like pre-downloaded. Yeah, and. uh I saw the special editions and that was kind of special because it was the first time I'd seen a new hope and empire on the big screen, but it was, it was still, they were movies I'd seen before. So there was an excitement. We waited in line for them. Um, but with Phantom Menace, it was really like the first time it was like mine, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, and that was exactly like, I was, I was, uh, like as soon as they let us into the theater, like, three hours before that first midnight screening i had to like stop because i was hyperventilating and i sat (laughs) down in the hallway and was just kind of like shaking with excitement and they're like are you okay i'm like i'll be fine in just a few minutes and uh it was rough but it was awesome so i don't know i i got super excited for force awakens the first time though but like it was it was a different experience for me for Force Awakens the first time because I, I got to go to a press screening. So I didn't get to go with like any of my friends or star, like Star Wars friends or family or my family at all. So it was like a theater with like 30 of us in it. And I just left a sobbing mess. You know, it's a little different this time. I mean, with Force Awakens as opposed to Phantom Menace, like we're in an age now where there's you know, I'm going to sound like an old man. There's the interwebs and there's Twitter and there's Facebook and there's people talking about things and forums. And, and there was those type of things back then too, but there weren't reserved seatings and there were people waiting in line for weeks at a time to get tickets and to get into the theater. And what that was, that was very much it. Like when I went to the special editions and Phantom Menace, um, and even all the way through revenge of the Sith, like you bought your tickets and then you got right back in line for seats. Yeah. So with this, it was really different for me. So we watched the the marathon of all the other movies first. So, you know, we're up for 60 hours. I'm exhausted. All that excitement has been lingering for 24 hours of watching the other movies. And then Force Awakens starts and you're perked back up. You got some energy, you know, all that. But, you know, when we walked into the theater after waiting in line to get in there for Phantom Menace, the place was going crazy because people just sat down and then the movie's about to start. So it was kind of nuts where in this in that setting out in Salt Lake, it was a lot of tired people who were excited but just didn't have that oomph that they did 
for Phantom Menace. Not that, not saying that the movie wasn't as impressive. It's just it's it's a, it's a little bit of a different world, Brian. Yeah, no, uh, it's an, and for, I mean for listeners, are you like just so they have a frame of reference? Like Mike and I are old men. Uh, how old <laughs> How old are you, Zoe? Like, what was how old were you when you saw Force Awakens? Um, I was fourteen. I still am fourteen. I turned fourteen in September. Mm-hmm. So. so she'll be fifteen for Rogue One. Yeah. And you didn't get into so and uh, it's like I remember like I can talk to Anakin and Anakin is thirteen. Um, for the like for those of you who should check it out, actually, Anakin and I were on uh on the on Zoe's show with her a couple of months ago too. It was it was a lot of fun, and Anakin was hilariously awkward. Huh. <laughs> nice. Um, but Anakin, like you can talk to him, and he's kind of got very distinct memories of seeing Revenge of the Sith the first time, the same way I have memories of seeing Return of the Jedi the first time, and uh, you don't quite have that for for Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I don't remember seeing Revenge of the Sith at all. I the first Star Wars movie I watched in theaters that I hadn't already seen was the Clone Wars movie. I don't remember Revenge of the Sith. Hmm. Well, that's interesting weird. too. What did you think about that whole experience with the Clone Wars movie? The Clone Wars movie, I was in like second grade when that came out and um I was kind of confused. Like I was excited, but I didn't wasn't so much emotional about it and I was just kind of I didn't really know what was going on, except for I really liked Ahsoka. That I mean that that pretty much just sums up that movie, though. <laughs> so, um, we have some news to talk about today, and uh, I thought you guys would be the perfect people to talk about this news. So it seems like, and this is not officially confirmed, but Variety, Hollywood Reporter, and Deadline Hollywood are all reporting that Alden Ehrenreich is going to be playing Han Solo in the Han Solo solo film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Han Solo solo film. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, there's there's a lot of controversy about it. But first, I want to talk about Alden Ehrenreich. It, it, first, I mean, he was, when I heard his name was on the short list, he was like my instant top choice. Uh because I just watched him. I don't know if either of you guys saw Hail Caesar. I didn't get to see that yet, no. Holy smokes. Uh, it looks funny. Oh, it's so funny. And it, he's like the best part in it. <laughs> um, he really is. He's just adorable in it. But he's he's fantastic, and he has that, that uh, he has that uh, just, Genesis he's just like, Sure, sure. If that's the way you want to put it, I just, I just want to pinch his cheeks or something. He's just got so much charisma. But I guess you guys haven't seen that. No, no, I haven't seen that one. I um, so I've been reading what people are thinking of the announcement online, and it, it seems pretty good. And people have brought up um, Hail Caesar a lot. He was in Supernatural too, wasn't he? Um, he was in Beautiful Creatures. Um, he was in Woody Allen's Blue Jasmine, which was yeah. really good. I saw, I I saw beautiful yeah, pictures too. Yeah, he was when or he was Ben Collins in an episode called Wendigo mm. on Supernatural. Okay, because I don't remember the name, but now that you say that, now I know who you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> I know. Um, and that was actually his acting debut. Was he did an episode of of Supernatural, and then he did CSI, and then he got into like, um. Francis Ford Coppola's Tetro, which was a weird, like, experimental film that Coppola did. Um, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, the point is, is the guy is a fantastic actor. And uh, and people should be, like, he played Kate uh, Blanchett and Alec Baldwin's son in Blue Jasmine. Um, anyway, I think people should be excited for him. But I know some people were disappointed that it wasn't, uh, Anthony and Gruber. And why's that? Well, I mean, I, I think, I think that wasn't that your initial. Maybe I'm misremembering, but in the our Facebook chat preparing for the show, you yeah, were. Yeah, uh, I think it should have been, but I wanted to see what anybody else thought. I thought, well, he looked like a young Harrison Ford first of all, but he, um, I thought he did a pretty good job too. So I wouldn't have been surprised if that's who they would have picked. But I want to know why you think anybody else has a problem with it, or why they thought that. I, I think that it would have been surprising if they would have gone with him because he had such a public campaign for it. 
right? Um, I think that that having been through the casting process before, sometimes you can see things in person that you don't necessarily see on screen, sure, right? And that you know you could work with a performance. Like I was working on on a on casting a short film, and there was one actor that just felt right in person. But then going back and watching all of the footage, it was like, no, he he comes off as creepy and I didn't realize it in person or the other way. Like this person felt like they were awkward and, and couldn't nail it. And then you watch it on tape and it's like, wow, they have way more charm than we were expecting. And so for us to try to cast it um, from the outside and not be in the casting process, um, I, I I'm assuming Anthony and Gruber was on the radar of, of the, the directors. Well, because it's already happened. Yeah. And I'm sure that he was looked at and talked to, and there must have been something about him that they felt that uh, someone else could have done it. I know uh, Bobby had actually said that he was saying that he thought Steven Spielberg um, was sort of the the, the tie-breaking vote there for for uh, Alden Aaron. Yeah, yeah. I guess Steven Spielberg's the one who discovered him in the first place. Well, and it's Steven Spielberg. He has an eye for these things. Yeah. And there might have been, with Anthony Ingruber, here's the other thing. So he played um, a young, uh, what was Harrison his name? Ford. Yeah, but what was the guy's name? William Jones, I think was the name in Agent Madeline. And so he wasn't like a a scruffy-looking nerf herder. He was just, you know, a young guy that was smart, and she ran into him, and they had an, uh, a romance or whatever. So maybe the directors or the casting or whoever, maybe he just doesn't fit into that, that build, build of the character as mm-hmm. well, you know? I don't know what do you, what do you think about about this guy uh, over Anthony and Gruber, Zoe? Well, originally I was for Anthony and Gruber, but um, what you said about him, like maybe there's such a campaign for it and something wasn't right. But I don't know. I'm still a little on the fence about the Han Solo movie because, in, on one hand, I really want to see a Han Solo movie, but on the other hand, I feel like the new movies should be made to like bring us new characters and new stories where um, comic books, like people will read a Han Solo comic book, but they're not going to read a comic book about a new character where people are going to watch, yeah, a Han Solo movie, but they're more likely to watch a new movie about new characters and read a new comic book about new characters. Well, I don't know. That's how Quinlan Voss got, uh, Quinlan Voss got popular enough to be in Clone Wars, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, I'll I'll tell you why why I think uh, I was iffy about it too because I, I think a lot of the same reasons where it was like, well, you know, we want really new stories and we've seen you know four movies full of Han Solo, but I think that there's an opportunity here that we won't get ever again, and my guess is Disney's going to make Star Wars movies every year for the next uh, until they're no longer a corporation, <laughs> and uh, so forever. They're going to make Star Wars movies forever. But you've got Lawrence Kasdan who's writing it. And Lawrence Kasdan wrote Empire and Jedi and The Force Awakens. So he got the only major installment of Han Solo's life that he didn't get to write for the big screen was A New Hope. And now we have, like, who who would understand that character better than Lawrence Kasdan than, other than George Lucas? Probably nobody. And for... The Force Awakens to have let Lawrence Kasdan write the end of Han Solo. I'm super excited for for him to give us his take on what the origin of the Han Solo that we know is, so that when we be able to watch this movie, this standalone movie, and the classic trilogy, and then The Force Awakens, we'll have like a complete arc from beginning to end. We'll know. Well, it, it's like. Uh, you know, it's it really is like the prequels, right? How much more yeah. fascinating was Darth Vader when you knew what his background was and how tragic it was? For me, it it means everything. Like I grew up as a big Darth Vader fan, but the more you know, we learned about him as we watched the the prequels, and now even seeing him in Rebels too. I mean, I think that that just adds more to the character. It adds more to the the sadness of his decline. Well, if have you read Lords of the Sith? I have indeed. Okay, because that's a good one for Vader too. Yeah, totally. But I don't know. I think I think what this can offer us is uh, 
is a new look into what the the overall arc of Han's life is going to have been. I, I hear people talking about this on both ends. There's people that say, you know, I don't think we really need a Han Solo movie. And then you hear people say, I'd love to see a Han Solo movie. I think, like, Concetta would be one of those people. It's like, oh, you know, anything Han Solo, I, I'll totally get behind. I'd love to see it. Now, for me, I'm kind of indifferent. Like, if we do, great. If we don't, I wouldn't be heartbroken about it. I'd rather a Solo movie than a Boba Fett movie. And I'm sorry to all the Boba Fett fans. <laughs> but if we are going to see a Han Solo movie, do we see him winning the Millennium Falcon off of Lando? Do we see him making the Kessel Run? I mean, are we going to see stuff like that? Or is it just going to be a story of him doing something? Like Rogue One, they're going to steal the plans for the Death Star. Well... My understanding is that this is going to be him and Chewie and everything. And if if the rumors, or not even the rumors, just the rumblings of what we thought the story might be, because it, like even though it had been hinted at or implied in the expanded universe, we never really got the, the view of how Han and Chewie came together. Mm-hmm. But the story I'd always remembered hearing was that Han had saved, had rescued Chewie from slavery on the part of the Empire. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what if we get that story? What if, That'd what if cool. we get a story where, what if we get a story where Han, like, you know, he's got his Corellian blood stripe pants or whatever, and maybe those are Imperial in some way. Maybe he did join the Imperial Academy and maybe he's, uh, he's a believer and he ends up, uh, he ends up pulling that sort of like, no, I can't really go with the empire sort of thing. And maybe saving Chewie is what puts him on the path to being a smuggler. Yeah. Right. And maybe that's the why maybe maybe he gives up everything he had in his life to save Chewie. And that's why the two of them have to scrape by and, and run jobs for, you know, job of the hut and whatever. Um, and like maybe maybe there's a tragedy to the fact that he had everything and gave it up to save someone like Chewie. And then we see the rest of the trajectory of his life through the classic movies. I think that that could be. That could be really interesting, or maybe it's not. Maybe maybe he grew up like that poor, like pickpocket street thief kid, like Aladdin. Let me ask you this: um, I'll, I'm asking the both of you. Listen, Hansel is a good-looking guy. He has a lot to offer a lady. Would you have a problem with him having a romantic interest in this movie and having, you know, how does that? Would that take away from his relationship with Leia? Do you want to see him with somebody else? Do you think people would have a problem with that? People are weird about things like that. What do you think, Zoe? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in one of the Star Wars comics, he had an ex-wife. Um, so in in Marvel Star Wars, Sana Solo was a ruse. Like she was someone he was working on with a job, and they got married for as part of their cover for the job. And Han ended up running out on her both on their fake marriage and with all of the money. Um, so they weren't married in the strictest sense. It was sort of like if uh you know it, it was it was just like a you know it was something to pull a heist yeah but in the deleted scenes for a new hope there's uh han solo sort of making out with a girl in the cantina even and sending her on her way just before obi-wan and luke come over oh, i forgot about that um it would be interesting if maybe this movie brought us to that point right Wow, I think it almost has to end with Han losing the spices he owed Jabba or whatever was he was doing. I forget. He was, but, uh, yeah, no, it was he. He dropped. Uh, he dropped a shipment of uh, illegal. I don't know. Do they still call it glitter stim? Um, I don't know if the glitter stim is still canon. But anyway, it was a shipment of spice that he dropped at the first sign of an imperial cruiser. Well, he had to. That's what he tells him. Anybody would have done that. Even it's an, it's an imperial cruiser, and he has this little little freighter. It's not going to do anything. It seems as though glitter stim is indeed. Uh, it is. That's right. So it was mentioned in uh, Battlefront and Bloodline. So it's canon. There you go. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, there's there's a lot of different ways you could get Han Solo the trajectory you'd need to see what the ending is. But maybe I mean, like. What would be like the best beginning you could think of that would make his relationship with Ben and his ending all the more tragic, right? And I'm imagining that's probably how Lawrence Kasdan's approaching it, right? Like, how can we make his end all the more tragic? And and 
that makes me wonder if we're going to have Han Solo dealing with his father or his lack of a father. Yeah, that's actually, I was thinking about that myself. And that would make a lot of sense. Just like uh, Indiana Jones with his father. Man, that'd be interesting. Yeah, once they brought that into Indiana Jones with The Last Crusade, I kind of gave you a whole different kind of idea. Like, you think Indiana Jones is this, you know, this great, cool guy and nothing bothers him, but as soon as Sean Connery comes onto the scene, he's like a little boy again. So what, I mean, I, I want to ask you two, what, what is it you do want to see in this movie? We're getting a Han Solo movie. There's not much we can do about that. Like, I, I refer to Star Wars as like that buffet, and that dish of Han Solo food is going to come out to that buffet, whether we decide to take it or not. But if, when that dish does come out, what sort of ingredients do you guys want to see it made with? You see me, you see me trying to bring some Bobby Roberts back yeah, to the show. I know. I almost <laughs> forgot what was going on. No, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. For me, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier. I'd love to see how the relationship begins with Chewie. I mean, that that becomes a staple in, in Star Wars, their relationship, and I'd love to see him win the Millennium Falcon. That would be awesome. I I don't want to come off saying like I don't care or I'm so indifferent to this movie that I just it doesn't mean anything to me. It does. It means a lot to me. I just I just want. I want a cool story. I want something that would make his ending that much more tragic. I thought about the dad thing too, so that seems to make a lot of sense. What about you, Zoe? Um, I want to see Chewie, and I want to see his relationship with Lando because, like, um, because clearly when they met each other in Empire Strikes Back, they had a long friendship. Um, before that, and something, it seemed like maybe something happened that. Han had just completely dropped Lando and hadn't communicated him with him, so I kind of want to see what happened there. Well, one thing I found, uh, we've been mispronouncing Alden, uh, Alden's name. According to IMDb, it's pronounced Ironreich. Ironreich. So there we go. We can fix that. But um, <laughs> no, I would, I would really love to see. Uh, I would love to see what brings him and Chewie together. The Falcon. <sighs> I can't imagine them not bringing the Falcon into it, though. The Falcon is one of those iconic images in Star Wars, and it's one of those things that sells a lot of toys. Yeah. Like, if there were a number of ingredients that they could put together, like, I, maybe, maybe the ending, you know, maybe the, they're doing something different with all of these. What if the climax of this isn't, isn't an action climax, but it's a poker tournament or a sabak tournament, right? <laughs> and... And that's the big payoff, right? What if this is more like your Maverick kind of movie? Yeah, I don't see it though. I don't see. I don't see how in this day and age they can have a Han Solo movie with with you know Millennium Falcon at the very end flying off into the sunset. I don't know. <laughs> but I love Maverick. I love that idea. What one of the things I really really like is that uh, if they do bring Lando into it, Lando at this point has already been involved in our Rebels from Rebels. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. that timeline works out about right. This uh, Rebels is four or five years before, four or five years before a New Hope. This is going to be about four or five years uh, before a New Hope, at least based on uh, Alden Ehrenreich's age versus Harrison Ford's age when he made a New Hope, mm -hmm. and they can play that up, uh, up or down. But saying that, then that opens up the whole door of people saying, are we going to see Ezra in this movie and Kanan? Are they going to cross paths? And I just don't see that happening. And you know what? I don't even want that to happen. I honestly don't. Even if it was like Sabine? Just Sabine. Or no. maybe Hera and Han have to like race, like race each other or something. I don't know. No. No. Fly. Mm -mm. Well, here's, here's the thing though, right? Like if you could pick two pilots, the two best pilots uh, that aren't a Skywalker in the Star Wars universe and they would need to race. And the racing is something they're really playing up with Han Solo in uh, that period between Jedi and Force Awakens. What two pilots would have the skill to go against each other? In that aspect, that's the one way it could work. But what I'm saying is Han Solo doesn't really do anything with the Rebellion until, you know, A New Hope. So I don't want to see any of that crossing True. over. Maybe we so you, could see Han run do the Kessel run. Yeah, I would love that. So you think Jabba? Yeah. Is Jabba something you guys think we'll see in this movie then? I think so. Probably. Yeah. You think they'll get if they did Jabba and they you think they'd go back to Matthew Wood for Bib Fortuna? Here's my thing. I don't see why they why they couldn't or wouldn't. Like 
they they we have that special edition where he's talking with Jabba next to the ship and stepping on his tail and and all that. And I never really felt that scene, but they could do this in a way that would probably be a lot cool, lot cooler than that. You know what I would love actually is if they went through and figured out a Jabba puppet for the younger like middle Jabba in this era, mm-hmm. and then special editioned that <laughs> into a New Hope. Yeah, there you go. Well, do they really have to make a younger Jabba? I mean, he looks pretty much the same in the Clone Wars, granted animation, but... Well, he does look the same in the Clone Wars and in Phantom Menace as well. Um, he's just a little bit skinnier. Yeah, he's Like, bigger. in Return of the Jedi, in Return of the Jedi, he went, like, full Marlon Brando. Yeah, he's a big boy. He ain't, he ain't moving around anymore. Maybe we'll see Rada. That's what Anakin keeps telling me. He's like, Rada the Hutt is going to be Snoke. Like he's all of this, all of this is an elaborate revenge plot for the murder of his father. Anakin's actually listening to the show now and he's like nodding at me. Yeah, no, I would love to see Rada. Maybe Jabba is just kind of, he's being lazy and he's just sending his son out to do his dirty work. What if Greedo was in this movie? Greedo has like that relationship with Han. They seem to know each other. Another, another thing that I think would. Again, if if fans are sitting down and they're coming up with a movie, that would be one of the one of the characters that would have to be in this movie at some point. Him and him escaping Greedo or doing something that sets up that that meeting in the cantina. It has to be. Well, I don't know. Any I more mean, Rodians in Star Wars, Brian. I think that's true. <laughs> I think I think I know quite a few people that would agree with that, or one really. Holly. Holly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. I don't know what other, I mean, what other things would, I mean, Lando and Greedo and Jabba the Hutt seem to be the things that are most central to Han's story before that, aside from the Falcon and, uh, aside from the Falcon and, uh, Chewie. So you throw on the whole dad thing at the beginning of the movie and then you wrap it up. You got a movie right there. Would people revolt for that though? I don't know. One of the things I kind of want to say is that there are people who I I've, I've kind of read a lot that people are upset that they don't think this movie should be made at all. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. And and I would like to caution them that 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 uh it's okay not to want to watch a Star Wars movie. You don't have to want to watch all of them. But Disney is making this movie because well, Lucasfilm is making this movie because Kathleen Kennedy thinks it's the right movie at the right time and with the right people. And that I would I would remind people how they felt before the Rogue One trailer and after the Rogue One trailer, yeah. and I would bet that everybody who's not on board now, um, that first trailer is either going to to bring them on board or solidify them not liking the movie. But I have to say I was lukewarm on Rogue One until that trailer came out. Likewise, boy howdy, yeah, like the trailer sold me hundred percent. Yeah, and I agree with you absolutely. However, it's just a trailer. It could be the best trailer ever made. And the movie, the Han Solo movie, to me, really hinges upon how well Rogue One does. I mean, if people go into Rogue One with the mindset that the movie's going to be as exciting and amazing as that trailer was, and it falls short on it, how much would that hurt the Han Solo movie? But that being said, if Rogue One doesn't do as well or people aren't as interested, what would bring somebody back to a you know, a spinoff or a side movie for Star Wars, but a Han Solo movie. I mean, there's not a lot of other characters that, that would bring people back on board. I, so it seems to make sense, like you said. Well, I wonder if we get, if if Rogue One does better than Han Solo, I wonder if they would stop trying to use some of the more legacy characters in some of those, um, in in some of the, the spinoff movies and stick toward unknowns, or if it's the other way around, if Rogue One does poorly and Han Solo goes, you know, hyper force awakens level blockbuster then maybe every spinoff at that point is just going to be another classic character in their own movie sure i sure hope not because i really like seeing new characters and like i said i mean i know i said this a little while ago that i don't want to see you know the rebels cast in in a han solo movie but i like new characters and, and this that's one of the things i like about rogue one so much i mean we're getting so many characters i mean they just look amazing Ooh. What if this is like a good, the bad, and the ugly kind of movie, and this is where they they where we could get Han and Chewie? Why don't you get Cad Bane in it while you're at it? Boba Fett and Cad Bane. That's yeah. exactly where I was going. Yeah, 
There you go. <laughs> Cad Bane. That's what we need in a Han Solo movie. How how exciting would that be for the trailer to open up with Cad Bane's hat, which would be a total like I mean, it's basically Indiana Jones's hat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to have Cad Bane live action, oh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. The problem with that is how many people would really get that? You know, that's not mainstream well, storytelling. No, I think I think it is though. I mean, to a point, like if you look at Clone Wars, Clone Wars is the the younger you get, and I don't know, maybe Zoe, you could back me up on this. Like yeah. people who are into Star Wars at your age, um. They're into Clone Wars as much as they are into the movies, right? Well, yeah. Um, it's really Rebels that's kind of with people. Like, I don't know if maybe they just saw Disney or they're still bitter about Clone Wars being canceled. But, like, bring the Rebels cast. I could see maybe where you could say that. But bring Clone Wars characters, like, especially from the earlier seasons um, or, like, even the middle of the show. People will definitely love the Clone Wars because I can, like, a lot of the people in my school, like, Talk about Force Awakens. I we're talking about Star Wars, really, was in general, and a lot Clone Wars came up a lot because that's something that my generation grew up with as Star Wars. Yeah, but to, to I mean, it's your generation, so you clearly know more than I do. But I have a daughter who's ten, and her friends and even family members in my family never really got into the Clone Wars because it was on Cartoon Network and they didn't see it, and their parents didn't really, uh, who weren't like totally in love with that cartoon or the movie just, when it just came out. Just say what you mean. They had horrible parents. Yeah, they, they had terrible <laughs> parents. They, they, they shouldn't even have had kids. No, but like because it's on Disney XD and because every time you go to a commercial in any of those shows, you see a commercial or a reference to, to Rebels. Rebels is, I would think it would be a lot bigger right now. And and the, the kids that grew up your age, yes, Clone Wars was there, but I think Rebels has probably a lot more of a, a fan fandom than Clone Wars did. I like to me, Clone Wars always just seemed like for people me and Brian's age, it was something that was there that was Star Wars that we there was nothing else really there. Clone Wars on Cartoon Network got a lot more get Clone Wars got a lot more viewers than Rebels does now. Did it? Yeah. yeah. And you've also got to take into account like that Clone Wars movie that got released theatrically, it was no slouch. That movie made thirty million dollars. Mm. And then, like, with Clone Wars, like, I hear a lot of people, they mention Clone Wars or reference Clone Wars, like, my age. and But then they'll say, like, they don't really like Rebels, which I think they're wrong, and I'll tell them that they're wrong. But, like, they say they don't really like Rebels, but then they like Clone Wars. And then there's, like, a lot of people who, like, I'm sure a lot of people my age, when they were watching Clone Wars, I'm sure their parents watched it, and they saw, or at least saw a few glimpses of it. So I think Clone Wars universally had a bigger impact than Rebels does. I hope Maybe right. ever will. I'm excited for you to say that. I hope you're absolutely right, because then we would be able to lend some of those characters over. Listen, you know, with the Star Wars Card Trader app, you know, and people aren't as nuts about that as they once were, but one of the new, newer sets is a Clone Wars set, and the first card was a Maul card, and then a Captain Rex card, and, and it's awesome. There isn't really a lot of Clone Wars stuff on that, so I'm excited that that's the case. Well, and I, the other thing you got to uh, realize, Mike, is that the the people on the story group have to, um, they have to keep all of this stuff in their head too. So if, and, and it's it's kind of the way like, the way George Lucas worked with Clone Wars is how the story group I imagine is working with people like Lawrence Kasdan. So he comes in and says, "Hey, I've got this character, and uh, you know he's going to be, uh, you know." basically cad bane and they say well we've already got cad bane do you want to use him and then he goes back and watches it and said hey that's that character's really cool let's use him like i think that they're uh they're they're working toward bringing all that together in the way that tells the best stories whether or not rebels or clone wars is more popular with one or the other but i do think clone wars especially since Netflix came out. I've talked to so many people who skipped Clone Wars when it was on, and now that it's on Netflix, that's the same kind of thing that happened with Doctor Who, Doctor Who's popularity, right? It didn't get popular because uh, it was instantly a hit. It was sort of like this slow burn afterwards. Same with Firefly, right? Yeah. Um, and I think as many or more people probably, and I have no numbers for this, obviously, because Netflix doesn't publish any, um, but Netflix... Netflix has probably brought in as many Clone Wars viewers as Cartoon Network and Net- 
net Netflix is a lot more accessible than Rebels. Well, at the same time, also like maybe from a marketing standpoint, like if they bring Cad Bane in, somebody that hasn't seen Clone Wars will watch it. Like that character's cool, and they look it up. They're like, oh, he's in Clone Wars. They watch Clone Wars, and then they hear about Rebels, which has Clone Wars characters in it, and they're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll watch Rebels now. And just this, like, and then every like everyone start watching more stuff that they're producing. Yeah, I know a lot of people started watching uh, Rebels because of Ahsoka. Finding out Ahsoka was on that. What, what I think, and Brian, you said this a few minutes ago, and I think that you're absolutely right on this. If they would come up with a character like Cad Bane and not use Cad Bane, then there would be a lot of people that would be upset about that. Yeah, no, I would be yeah. a little bit. I would be for a second. Then I'd be like, well, Lawrence Kasdan's going to Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about uh, another thing. Um, I thought this opened an interesting possibility that if that if uh, Alden Ironreich, if he is now young Han Solo, does that open the door for him to be young Indiana Jones? So, I mean, that's kind of the same thing. So Han Solo and Indiana Jones really aren't the same person. So if Ben Gruber didn't have that whatever to him to be Han Solo, why would this guy be to be Han Solo? You know what I mean? To make sense, I know I'm not speaking words properly. Those were all words, Mike. But they weren't done properly together. It was kind of the evolution of a thought that fell flat on its face. I think what you're trying, I think what you're trying to say is like if, if someone else, I mean, Han and India obviously aren't the same person, but the same person brought them to life. And if Anthony and Gruber was missing what they needed for Han Solo, then maybe he's missing what they'd need for Indiana Jones too. So why wouldn't he be young Indiana Jones? There you go. Wow, you're a wordsmith. <laughs> but but uh, I think the thing that's interesting is that people people are talking about and and it is a totally legitimate thing to say Harrison Ford is the only Han Solo that I recognize or want to recognize and it's a totally legitimate thing to say Harrison Ford is the only Indiana Jones that I recognize but there have been a lot of great people not not Han Solo we haven't had a different version of Han Solo that's not Harrison Ford but we have had a lot of different actors play Indiana Jones that that totally owned the part right i mean starting with river phoenix in last crusade opposite you know with Harrison Ford right there next to him to add on to that we've had different people play Obi-Wan Kenobi and Alec Guinness was Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's what we knew of Obi-Wan Kenobi for years and years and years until we had Ewan McGregor in uh, the prequels. And then we have James Arnold Taylor's voice in the Clone Wars. And, you know, we've had so much James Arnold Taylor, Obi-Wan that sometimes when I think Obi-Wan, that's what I think of. So why couldn't we have that with other characters? I, I, I think the longer Star Wars goes, the more often it's going to happen. Mm hmm unless they really kind of wrap up the beginning and end of a character in, in these movies. Like I could see them not going back to the well for Luke Skywalker. Right. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do with the Luke Skywalker prequel? Is he just going to be kicking rocks? <laughs> He's going to be fixing the, uh, the moisture. Apparatuses. It's just going to be, well, maybe they could just do American graffiti, but with like bigs and tank, <laughs> um, deciding that like Luke was going to go to the Academy, but Biggs and Tank were going to stay and they could be like, that joke is really great. If you're hyper familiar with American graffiti, but I got for, it, Brian. I know, I know. Like, I'm just thinking about it going like, nobody's going to get that. That's way too elegant and complicated and probably not funny. There's some characters that I cannot see anybody else doing. I'm so happy that with um, rebels, we have James Earl Jones's voice back as Darth Vader. So it's hard for me and it's a stretch for me, even though I'd love to see a weekly Darth Vader show on Netflix or on ABC or whatever. It's hard for me to imagine another actor's voice being Darth Vader. It doesn't I mean, well, let me let me ask you both this. And Mike, you can't use Darth Vader. If there's one character in Star Wars, you would say no one else should play them. If, you know, they're gone, then then that character is just out. Um, what character would that be? I would have to say Ahsoka Tano just because I'm so used to Ashley Eckstein's voice. I can't imagine Ahsoka sounding any different. Yeah. And what if there was a live action Ahsoka? Would it would it be Ashley? I think she could do it. I think she could do it too. Have you seen the pictures of her Ahsoka cosplay? Yeah. Yeah, she could do it. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Then you wouldn't have to worry about it. Then you'd have her. Yeah. I don't know. I If I can't use Darth Vader, I don't know what to say. I We've seen... Somebody else do Leia in Rebels. I can see somebody else doing Lando. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that, Brian. The, the only one that I can really come out to is, is Darth Vader. I'm sorry. 
I think I think uh, for me, I think it's probably Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan. If we go forward and Ewan McGregor is not that representation of Obi Wan, no matter how old he gets, because I think it would even though he's not Alec Guinness, even if he got up into that age territory, I still think it would be weird if they cast someone else because there would still be some sort of underlying continuity to Ewan McGregor being the part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking about just live action. I think, I think sound alikes or something, you could get somebody that has the same tonal quality to their voice that Mark Hamill does and do an animated Luke Skywalker. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think you'd be hard pressed to get someone to capture Luke Skywalker uh, at any point in his life. And it, it would be, you'd have to go like, kid luke skywalker right like mm-hmm. the way the way jake lloyd and hayden christensen obviously couldn't be the same person between the time they needed to shoot phantom menace and attack of the clones so if you were going to go i mean like if you were going to go obi-wan as a boy obviously you'd have to cast a new part right mm-hmm. but wouldn't that be cool like like get get the uh the the Robert Downey Jr. Michael Douglas like Marvel treatment on Liam Neeson and have him and a new kid being Qui Gon and Obi Wan on their own adventure. Well, here's my thing with me not being able to really come up with anybody that couldn't be played by another actor. That just lends itself to the fact that if Star Wars goes on for the next forty years, we are like you said earlier. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be played by other actors, and I I personally don't have an issue with it as long as they do a good job because it's it's just telling the story. Although they did a wonderful thing with Robert Downey Jr. and, and Captain America, Brian, you can't do that, that for was everything. Great. Yeah, but you can't do that for everything. So, so your advice is like anybody who needs to be recast in Star Wars can, under the condition that they don't suck. Yeah, I don't think that's too much to ask, Brian. Not sucking. Yeah. How about not sucking, and then we're good. I don't. I don't require that much. I mean, I, I've said this before. I don't require too much in a movie as long as it's some decent storytelling and I have some fun and, and it and adds to the greater story of that universe, that galaxy. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I would be, I would be upset if they recast Hayden Christensen, if they went back to the, the force ghost Anakin. Well, yeah, I would, I would be very upset about that. And then if they did use Hayden Christensen for a force ghost thing in episode eight, I feel like a lot of the people that hate the prequels would be very upset. And that just kind of, I'm kind of mean, but that just kind of makes me kind of happy. <laughs> it kind of makes me happy, too. I would have a problem if they used Gilbert Godfrey as an older Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren. That would be too much for me to, to jump on board with. But besides that, what? you know? Where did that come from? <laughs> just saying. Yeah. All of a sudden, Kylo Ren is just Iago the parrot. Yeah. Like, you know, he gets a little older. Now he's Luke's age now. And we see in A Force Awakens and it's Gilbert Godfrey running around with that voice and he's trying to do either good or bad things, whatever happens with Kylo's story. Yeah, that's Are we even convinced that Kylo's going to survive this trilogy? I'm not. Not entirely, no. I'm just saying, Brian. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying Gilbert Godfrey is his force ghost. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, my God. Can you imagine why? how much I'd rip my ears off? And I like Gilbert Godfrey. Nothing. I'm not saying anything against him. Just not as a Kylo Ren. Any last thoughts about Han Solo and what, what you guys want to see in that movie? I mean, that movie... I think the movie is going to be in the comedy realm. You don't hire the directors of the Lego movie and Lawrence Kasdan to write a grim, dark, gritty picture. You know, this isn't going to be a Christopher Nolan movie. I think this is going to be probably the funniest Star Wars movie we'll have ever seen. Until Han Solo meets his end, he's always been kind of a a free-going, funny character. So, yes, I, I could not imagine it being... This dark, deep, getting over demons Han Solo. Well, I don't know. There's an interesting thing about Temple of Doom, which is a prequel to Indiana Jones, where, like, Indiana Jones was kind of a greedy jerk, right? And he mm-hmm. had to realize that there were things more important than fortune and glory. And if you remember Han Solo in A New Hope, um, yeah, he's pretty much that fortune and glory guy. Mm-hmm. You know, where where it's just like, as long as you pay me, I'll do what you need to. And uh, he's kind of a jerk. Like, what other... Yeah, what's that's the, what's so like, great about him. He's, he's a narcissist. Yeah. Better like, her than me. Yeah, exactly. Or even, like, I think my favorite Han Solo moment ever is the first thing he says in A New Hope. Like, who 
else but Han Solo could get away with it, an introduction as arrogant as pointing to yourself and saying, Han Solo. Like, <laughs> like how, like, that's that's a guy that is really fascinating because he is so in love with himself. So let's see all the things that happened that made him that awesome to himself. Exactly. Like, how, what, what is it? What was the path that made him love himself so much, even though he was kind of a jerk and had a long way to go? I'd like to see that. That's a movie I want to see. That includes all the things we were saying earlier, though, what we want to see in the movie. All those things lead up to that. Han Solo. Man, seriously, like, go back and watch that scene again. And he, like, the reactions between him and Alec Guinness are probably, it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire classic saga. Um, the two of them going back and forth because Obi-Wan's just not putting up with it at all. And Obi-Wan, I think Obi-Wan's trolling him too. Like, uh, you mean, you mean you've never heard of the Millennium Falcon and just that innocent, adorable. Yeah. Should I have like, it's <laughs> so innocent and adorable on Alec Guinness's face. Like he's almost got like this half sly smile. Like I'm totally screwing with you, man. Yeah. Well, sometimes I wonder if, um, like in the universe, like if Obi Wan was reminded of Clone Wars Anakin, because in some ways Clone Wars Anakin was still like, kind of like you should have heard of me and like a little bit cocky. I wouldn't be surprised too if Chewie was just like because Obi Wan, like Chewie, as soon as Chewie saw the saber, he'd know okay, this is a Jedi. He probably knows Yoda. Like he's on the run. Like Chewie knows what the score is, and Chewie probably gave like filled him in right. Mm-hmm. So Chewie probably told him everything Han was going to tell him. Chewie didn't just say, like, hey, let's go talk to that guy over there. Chewie could say, uh, well, and even when you look at, think of, about uh, Obi-Wan, his line is, Chewie here's first mate on a ship that might suit us, and then they go talk to Han. Yeah. Chewie must have told him, like, hey, I'm crewing for a guy named Han Solo. We're flying this ship called the Millennium Falcon. It's probably going to fit you. I'm a veteran of the Clone Wars, like, and they do that whole handshake. And then Han just patronizes the Dickens out of Obi-Wan when he sits down. Yeah, but how, <laughs> how else would you get somebody to, to get on board if you act like you've never heard of them or they, they aren't important that they want to prove themselves? Like, I'm Han Solo and you should have heard of me, so I'm going to show you that I'm going to get you there. You know what I mean? But no, I think it's, it's even funnier, though, when you think about, when you think about the fact that Chewie must have told Obi-Wan all of this. And Obi-Wan is just screwing with Han because it's funny. Even though Han Solo's love of himself and his whole attitude was a very was one of his strengths, Obi-Wan was playing against that to get him to do what needed to be done. You know, he's yeah. hustling him a little bit. Well, and that, and that's, I mean, it's funny, too, that Han Solo thinks he's, like, a really great, shrewd negotiator. But Obi what was Obi-Wan's nickname during the Clone Wars? The first words out of Grievous's mouth were, Ah, the negotiator. Oh, the negotiator, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, so Han Solo thinks he's pulling one over on Obi-Wan Kenobi, and it's like, like to be honest, Han could have probably demanded um, twice as much from Alderaan. Yeah. Because, it, because he didn't even, like, Obi-Wan promising 15000 of some somebody else's money is actually a pretty hilarious negotiation tactic. <laughs> Well, the like, other thing is you don't hustle a hustler. Sometimes you get burnt with that. Which which is to say that maybe Han Solo's not the smartest businessman. <laughs> well, he has a lot of issues. There are a lot of people after him, and we even see that in Force Awakens. Two groups right there that he, he's done wrong, and they want to get rid of him. No, I'm positive. Like, the way Kasdan is going to build that movie is that he's just going to be, like, bounty hunter after bounty hunter is going to come after him. That'd be cool. Or gangs like Conja Club. So, Zoe, is there anything else that you think you'd like to see in the movie or a direction you think it will go? We'll give you the final word on it. I feel like this movie is going, for me personally, is going to make or break Han. Because, like, before Force Awakens, I was just like, oh, okay, Han. I like Han. And then, like, in Force Awakens, I just loved Han. I forgot how much I loved him. So I think seeing his origin is what will really make him one of my favorite characters or will make him just kind of stay where he is but just still really in the middle yeah he's no luke skywalker uh he's above luke Han's above above luke (laughs) that's a different show we'll we'll have to have hash that out some other time hey zoe (laughs) we'll hash it out but listen i agree with you okay (laughs) so 
for listeners who want, like, just the short version for listeners, go back and listen to the the Luke Skywalker episode Bobby Roberts and I did, and you will be completely convinced that Luke is the unsung hero and everybody should be, like, Team Luke. And we'll put the uh, what episode that was in the show notes so you can go back and find it easily. It was a good episode. That's it was what a episode. great episode. I mean, you were both wrong, but it was a great episode. <laughs> No, it was a really we'll good episode. Um, well, I guess that's it. There goes another hour, Brian. I know you were. I, we were talking about this earlier, and you're like, "I don't think we could make this topic an hour." I'm like, "I don't know, Mike. Well, I think we can." In fairness to me, I just thought we were going to just talk about you know just the casting and not Han Solo as a character. And I was fighting a migraine at the time, but no, it made total sense once you explained it to me. Then I'm like, "Okay, we can definitely do that." Han Solo. <laughs> All right. Well. Zoe, can you tell everybody where they can find your your show online and you on the social medias? Um, well, yeah, I'm on Twitter as um, at SWGeekGirl. Um, and so on Facebook, Star Wars Geek Girl. And um, we're on iTunes and SoundCloud, both, again, at Star Wars Geek Girl. So, um, yeah, please listen to us. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the episode with Brian was great. The episode with me had a lot of fun. The episode you just had with Vanessa was amazing. So people, if you haven't listened to Zoe's show yet, you should definitely go back. Her and Lizzie do a great job, and they, they, they make it fun. They make it fun. Sometimes you get these Star Wars shows where people are really top button and the tie's tied too tight, and they, they have no kind of fun with it, with the Star Wars. And you guys have a lot of fun, and I think that that's important because that's what Star Wars should be, some, some fun. And again, um, actually, uh, Wednesday, um, on May the 4th, me and Lizzie were on, uh, what's it called? It was Teach Me You Did. We were on a stream for them. So that was fun. Listen to Brian, you were on that too, right? I was, yeah. And we did, uh, our whole last episode was kind of talking about teachers and and Star Wars with one of the people from Teach Me You Did. Uh, And it was a lot of fun. And I'm glad they got to get you guys on because I thought you would have a much different perspective on teachers than uh than i do nowadays all right well if you want to leave us a voicemail you can use the speakpipe app on the website which is at fullofsith.com and there you can find our contact information like our twitter at full of sith at the mic at swankmatron at amy underscore geek amy should be back with us next week also go to facebook.com slash full of sith and get in on the conversations there or if you'd like to send in an email you can do that at holocron at full of sith.com I am constantly getting these in. Thank you for all of them. I'm getting them to Amy and Brian as fast as I can get them to them. And we will be doing another show sometime relatively soon to touch base on a lot of these emails that have come in that have either some great questions or some great theories that we would like to discuss as well. So if you have something, you want to talk about the show with Zoe or you want to talk about something else, please, holocron at fullofsith.com. And uh, also iTunes, if you want to hit up iTunes with a review, that's cool too. Brian? Homework for next week is we will be talking about Bloodline. Yep, I will be done. So uh, I'm going to try to read it again. Okay. You think you're going to catch more in the second time? Don't you always? Yeah. I mean, I just got, I saw Civil War again for the second time. We might talk Civil War, too. There's some interesting Star Wars connections to Civil oh, War. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I'm holding it all back. To, I love the movie, Brian. I thought it was great. I have one problem, and I'm not going to talk about it until a couple weeks until other people get to see the movie. Yeah, we'll talk about it, it. But yeah, just little. I little think thing. your problem is is. Uh, I think I have an answer to your problem. Okay, now just just a little. But, thing. Uh, no, bloodline for next week. Bloodline yep. and civil war, and uh, I know a lot of people that. have been. So, uh, they got the book in, and they're reading it, and they're loving it, and they're excited about that conversation. So that will be next week. And Brian, where can people find your writings and all that other stuff? Um, people can find uh, my writing website at brianyoungfiction.com, and you can check out what i'm doing i've been doing a lot of like live streams talking to people about uh writing i'm gonna start doing that every friday mm-hmm. um on my facebook which is brian facebook.com forward slash brian young fiction and uh uh you can follow me on twitter at swank motron and you can read my writing on star wars insider and star wars.com and big shiny robot and uh howstuffworks.com and fantasy flight games is is doing some more stuff with me um but uh watch the Full of Sith Facebook page because we've been kind of dropping in unexpectedly with uh, with some live video now and again. I know Mike and I both kind of showed off our Star Wars rooms on there. Mm, Bobby put one up too. Bobby put one up too. And actually, yesterday I got on there and uh, started showing off some of my old Star Wars role playing uh, game books and and nice. was answering questions to uh, to some of the people watching. So. 
keep an eye on our Facebook page because we'll start dropping in and doing stuff like that more often. Yeah, I think that's cool. When you first mentioned it, I was like, I don't know, but I like it. I think it's pretty cool. All right, so that is it. Episode 166 of Full of Sith. Zoe, I want to thank you for coming on and joining us again on such short, on such short notice. We appreciate it. Yeah, th- um, thank you for having me. Yeah, and check out Zoe's show. I'm telling you, it's, it's a lot of fun. So um, that's it um, for Brian Young and Zoe from Star Wars Geek Girl. I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you, always. If you're not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. Mm.